Talk of the Town is a public service program produced by Midwest Family Springfield, airing Sunday morning on 92.7 WMAY, 98.7 WNNS, 97.7 WQLZ, and 102.5 The Lake. The mission of the show is to provide you with new information on the great organizations and great people in the Springfield area who work hard to make things easier for others throughout our community and to make Springfield a better place to live. The intent of this program is to be timely, topical, to entertain, and to inform. Talk of the town. Good morning. This is your host, Trent Nelson, and we are so excited to bring in the new year with you all. It is nice to be back to speak with some wonderful guests, as always, and for this episode, we have but one singular guest, and she is Director Betsy Dollar of the Springfield Art Association. You are certainly familiar with the institution, as well as Edwards Place in Springfield by the downtown YMCA. It's beautiful house, beautiful gallery, beautiful workshop, really, really thoughtful and kind folks. Director Betsy Dollar came down and spoke to us about all that they do as well as what sort of things they get into that, in fact, the public is certainly more than welcome to go down there and enjoy too. Lots to do, lots of ways to express yourself. We got into all of that with Director Dollar. It is a lovely long discussion that you will not want to miss. So sit back, relax, get yourself another cup of coffee. It is Talk of the Town. This is Trent Nelson. Let's go. Talk of the Town. This is Trent Nelson. We have a wonderful friend with us this morning. Her name is Betsy Dollar. You may or may not know her. She helps to run the Springfield Art Association. She, in fact, does run it along with her colleagues and peers. She also makes cute little dog statues. She did once. She doesn't like to talk about it too much, but... Betsy, it's such a pleasure to have you down this morning. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. The pleasure is all ours, as you know, but our listeners do not. We actually got together several months ago. Unfortunately, there was a bit of technical issue, and so those wonderful conversations were not able to be broadcast to the community. Yet, we do not have that problem this morning. Before we get going on to what the Springfield Art Association is doing in collaboration with other local organizations as well as uh, for itself. Could we have a bit of history concerning the Springfield Art Association? Absolutely. The Springfield Art Association has been around for 110 years. It was founded officially in 1913 when they took possession of the historic house known as Edwards Place. In 1910, a group of people got together and created something called the Springfield Amateur Art Study Club. Anybody who was anybody joined up. They had Ethel Mars, they had Rachel Lindsay, they had Susan Lawrence Dana, They had Alice Ferguson, a lot of very important people in Springfield, and they hit 
a membership of about 100 very quickly. And Susan Lawrence Dana was the only person who had a house big enough to for them to be meeting in, and certainly not to be making art in. So the founding mothers, as I like to call them, because the organization was created by three women, went to Alice Ferguson and said, we know your mother's house is sitting empty. Could we rent it? And Alice said, well, I'll do you one better. How about if I just give it to you? So the ladies took possession of the house in September of 1913. And by February of 1914, they had added centralized heat by putting in radiators. They had added electricity. The house was completely without electricity up to that point, which is not that unusual, actually. And they had basically gutted the house so that the first floor was office and gallery space, and the second floor was studio classroom space, and they opened to an exhibition of paintings by C. Arnold Slade, who was very well known at the time, nationally known, and supposedly a thousand people showed up to, for the opening reception. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you, I'm always mystified by the numbers that are reported in the newspapers of that time. It's like, Mm, I don't really believe that, but let's just put it, it was crowded. So, and that's how the Art Association was founded in the location that it is in. And so over the years, first they tacked on what they called in 1939 the Fireproof Gallery, which is about was about two-thirds of the space that we have now in the M.G. Nelson Gallery. Then they added a freestanding studio space across the alley that in 19. 19- in the 1960s, they tacked onto that building for what was supposed to be the ceramics lab. We had a lot of ceramics labs over the years. And the ceramics lab moved into garage, a glorified garage space sometime in the late 70s, early 80s, I think, when they bought a piece of property to the north. And then in 2019, we added the sort of premier 3D studio space that has the glass blowing studio, the ceramics lab, and our metals lab. In addition to that, I live in one of the historic houses, well, it's not as historic as Edwards Place, but a 1920s house on the property. There's a two-flat to the south that we use as our artist residence structure. So we really do have a full campus on the north side of town. And then in 2020, the Broadwell Pharmacy Building was donated to us from Carl Fisher. And so now the SAA Collective Gallery is in that building at 5th and Washington. Our Michael Victor II art libraries on the second floor and our computer lab and 3D printing and photo studios are up on the third floor. So we're kind of all over the place. You heard it here first, folks. There's a lot of the Springfield Art Association for you to experience. That was a brilliant history lesson. Thank you so much, Director Dollar. Oh, you're welcome. Well, that's kind of the structural history. Then there's the whole programming history. Right, right. And, and that's a whole other discussion that we are going to get to whether it's today or or, or some other time. Of course, to your point about numbers, in our hyper hyper focused precise world where we love numbers, where we're obsessed with the organizational power that numbers provide us, we are right to be skeptical uh, because for much of human history, numbers were more of a literary 
notion. We use numbers to express something large, right? right. So a battle might have had 30,000 people die as per the scholar who wrote it in like the 13th century. But he didn't count all those people. It's just a roundabout, right? right? It's just supposed to give you the significance of it. And of course, studio is Latin for, uh, for personally studying, right? So when we go to our studio, when we go to the studio, we are doing something very intimate and personal and beautiful. We're developing ourselves and we're developing our art. Now, Director Dollar, how can people who have just heard your wonderful lesson and said, well, that sounds like the perfect place for me. I can't believe I didn't know that this place existed before. How can they participate? How can they contribute? How can they be a part of what you are all doing? Okay. Well, you have to understand that we have a lot of different avenues for that. Our primary sort of function in the community is that we are a community visual art center and art school. So we offer four eight-week semesters of classes every year. In addition to that, if you don't want to commit eight weeks to something that you've never tried before, we offer a whole bunch of classes called one-nighters. So you can come and stick your hands in some clay and see how that is or try something in the metals lab or try something, you know, come and paint or draw or make paper or do a print or whatever. There, We offer 13 different media at any given time. So there are a lot of options to come and try. No experience necessary, no skills really necessary. Almost everything that we offer has an introductory level. So you can walk in with zero knowledge about the media and try it. Certainly, we have people who have been taking classes for a long time, so we offer more advanced classes, too, but plenty of introductory opportunities for all ages. We start as young as four years old, and I believe our oldest student is in his 80s. So pretty broad range in between there. So the art school is sort of your your first entree. But if you're a history buff, Edwards Place has been restored to its mid-19th century glory. There are tours given there Tuesday through Saturday at 1 and 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So you can just come and discover Edwards Place. Edwards Place has all its own programming. So there are Torian teas, lectures, plays, all kinds of special events that take place in Edwards Place proper. So that's a whole way to get involved in the history side of the world. And we are also look, always looking for people who want to act as tour guides and docents to the house. So if you have a, even if you don't have a background in history, we'll do plenty of training so that you can comfortably describe life in the mid-19th century. The Edwards had many connections with the Lincolns. We know that the Lincolns were in and out of the house. So it it's restored to 1857, which is the peak of the Lincoln era. So basically, the tours in, and events, for the most part, encompass the peak of the Lincoln era in Springfield. So we've got the history side of the world. We've got our art outreach programs. So we have a thing called the Make Truck. So the Make Truck truck goes to schools and community festivals and events and offers, you know, craft opportunities for kids and information about the Art Association. And we're always looking for people to help support that. Our other 
art outreach includes working with a lot of different organizations to do murals around town. Most of the murals, I'm not going to say all because it's not true, but many of the murals we have had some connection with here in town. So we do a public art camp for high schoolers in the summer. I believe they've done five murals over the years, starting with the Vachel Lindsay one at 4th and Jefferson. There's the 9th Street underpass at uh, the railroad crossing that's right before Sangamon. There's the uh, Clear Lake on both sides, the murals out there coming into town. The one on the side of Popeye's Barbecue. This past summer, they did a little one in the underpass in the Enos Park neighborhood just up the street from the SAA. In addition, the two wooden trolls that are like inspired by Thomas Dambo in um, Lincoln Memorial Gardens were all done by our kids in the summer art camp. So, um, And then other group projects have been as you referred to, the Fido Project that has the bronze puppies placed around town. There are currently six of them. We believe we have funding to do another six within the next year to year and a half. So um, there will eventually be more puppies placed around town in public places. But you might have seen one. There's one in front of the SAA Collective gallery in the in the Broadwell building. There's one across the street from Lincoln's homes in front of the cidery. There's one in front of the INB Bank downtown. Oh dear, I'm blanking. Oh, there's one in the Realtors Courtyard. Bicentennial the, Plaza. Yeah, Bicentennial Plaza. Thank you. There's one at the yeah at the old train station. The, oh yeah, right. Danny yeah. Danny's is at the yeah the old train station, and the other one is. Oh, at Third Presbyterian Church. So that one moved a couple times before it found a permanent home. <laughs> well, we all know dogs love to roam. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so we're looking for um, We're thrilled. It took a long time to get those guys done. Because of the pandemic, they sat at the foundry for about a year and a half before they were actually cast. But anyway, so we're looking forward to doing another round and producing them more quickly this time. As somebody who noticed all of the dogs before I knew what they were in reference to, I thought that it was wonderfully whimsical to have a town with many bronze puppies all around it. I thought that was very nice. Now, I'm going to walk us down the path that I feel maybe piggybacks off of all the things that you just said, but it's maybe a little bit more abstract. Why is making art something that people should tempt to do? Why should they make themselves vulnerable to learn about how to express themselves through any of these mediums that you're describing? Interesting that you brought up the vulnerability because, yeah, you have to be open to taking a risk and being willing to fail, I guess is the best word, although nothing is ever truly a failure because all of art is a process. And whether it's something very, a very complex process with a lot of materials or something as direct as putting pencil to paper, even putting pencil to paper, you are making decisions every second of where a line goes, where a shadow goes, where, you know, the weight of the line, all these different things. And it's actually a different form of processing in terms of problem solving. So it's a different way of using your brain. And maintaining 
imagination throughout one's life is incredibly difficult in modern society. I think the American school system works very hard to break people of it. You know, there are other more whimsical educational approaches like Waldorf, you know, which is sort of the other extreme. And, you know, Montessori is kind of right in the middle. But, you know, for the most part, people are not encouraged to use their imagination or hold on to whimsy. And honestly... Without those things, it gets a little dull out there. But what's really interesting to me is I there are so many people who come to us after they retire, many of whom have worked in government in this town for many, many years where they were encouraged not to use any form of initiative or creativity because that's the way the government doesn't want innovation. So, you know, it's kind of been dampened down in their professional life. So they are basically taking the risk to walk through the door and try something new, to learn Learn a process which builds a skill. That skill builds confidence. And then they rediscover that, wow, I actually am capable of creative thought and having a new idea and a new approach and trying something different. And it opens up a whole new world. It would be nice if we didn't lose that as adults consistently, that we could hold on to that. But at least it's an avenue to come back to that. And it's it's very safe. Unlike, you know, everyone has heard the horror stories of critiques in art school, you know, and how you get beaten down and all of that. We don't critique. We're there to help. You know, we might say, try this color or this needs to be adjusted, but we're not going to tear you apart. We're going to encourage you to do better and give you the skills to do better. One of the best examples, and sadly, we haven't been able to do this recently, but probably 10 years ago, we were, I think we were the first place in town to do what's known now as paint night. And we used to have this thing called canvas and cocktails. And for each, it was a Friday night. It was a bring your own food and beverage of your choice. And we provided the materials and a theme. And we would give reference images. And then we would offer up as much help as you wanted in terms of helping to sketch it, giving you ideas, helping you to mix colors. But it was a platform to introduce people safely to having fun and what it means to put paint on a canvas. And it was great. We, for actually sort of pre-COVID, we would basically sell out every Friday night. And, you know, but then paint nights became business and everybody was painting the same picture and being told exactly how to do it. You know, our platform was a baby step into learning how to paint. Paint night isn't a night to learn to paint. You know, you come out with a painting, but you don't really learn much in it and we always gave everybody a lot of flexibility and it was amazing just as a result of canvas and cocktails how many people would then say I really like this I want to learn more and would sign up for a real painting class. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a safe environment to try something new, to tap into something that everybody has. That's the other thing that's so important. So many people are convinced that they're not creative, they're not imaginative, they don't have these kinds of skills, can't draw a stick figure. It's every—it's in there for everybody. It may come in slightly different forms, but everybody has it. And it's a matter of paying attention and tapping into it and and honestly drawing takes 
practice. I used to be able to draw very well, but I've been very busy for the last 20 years and I haven't spent much time drawing. And man, am I rusty. I'd be embarrassed to like walk into a drawing class and see what I could or couldn't do at this point. It's something that needs to happen, but you know, it's something that you just have to focus and practice. And the more people practice, the better they draw. I mean, some people are naturally better at it. And I think that that is a real form of eye-hand coordination because the other key to drawing is actually drawing what you see. When I taught middle school, which is kind of a point of demarcation between kids who are going to stay with art and not stay with art, because they all do a lot of it in elementary school, whether they like it or not. But the kids... And there were always kids in classes who could draw a certain thing magnificently, whether it was a dragon or a dinosaur or a unicorn or whatever it was that they were into. They could draw that thing over and over again perfectly. But I used to do a lot of exercises with them with like still life or something as simple as having them draw a chair, but from the perspective of the negative space, not the positive space. You have to draw what you see. You can't draw what you think it's supposed to look like because then it's never going to work out right. You have to, from life, look at the thing and translate it to the paper. And that's how you learn to draw because it's really more about seeing than it is about putting the material on the paper or the canvas. Talk of the town. This is Trent Nelson here with Springfield Art Association Director Betsy Dollar. Such a pleasure to have her down with us this morning. You said so many remarkable things, and I wish I had all the time to unpack them. The freedom that artists sometimes try to give to others, I think for some people, it is welcome. They say, oh, the Springfield Art Association, they gave me this platform to try something, and I feel so good having tried it, and now I want to learn more, right? But as I think you alluded to, There are other people that also are very comfortable with how our society and our education system has made them. And and they would like very much paint by numbers, right? Mm -hmm. They would like to be told this is exactly how you do it so that it looks exactly like how you want it to, right? And it's the same thing with music. All of these techniques that we've taught that are now ingrained in our schools, they came after the fact in many instances. People were playing music for many hundreds and thousands of years before learning how to write it down the way we have it. And of course, I've been reading, been doing lots of Renaissance art reading recently. And to see the different innovations that occurred in just like a hundred year time, right? Just from like Frangelico to like the end of Leonardo, right? There's this entire, and there are all of these individuals doing all of this remarkable work. And we don't really judge them in a, in the way that we judge each other. We say, well, these are all beautiful. They're beautiful in different ways. We should probably get used to doing that in regular real life as well. That would be nice. (laughs) There is beauty all over, right? There's And as you noted, no one starts out perfect. Even the individual who maybe, as you noted, has that ability to translate what they see through their brain, through their hand faster, they're not perfect right away. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, it's important to note that people 
approach these things very, very differently. And the joy is that the Art Association is there to support the exploration however they want to go about it. And that's pretty much what we pride ourselves in. And, you know, we want kids to explore materials and ideas. We want adults to explore materials and ideas. And those are sort of different pathways, but it's fine however you want to go about it. It's just we are there as a resource to the community and we don't really, all we really ask of you is that you're interested in trying. And the other thing is that we have scholarship money. If you have the interest, we will figure out a way to get you engaged in the medium that you want to try. And, you know, we're available. So, you know, for years, I will be the first to admit that the Art Association operated in a more exclusive way. And in the last almost 15 years, we've really done our best to, again, make it a community visual art center available to anyone who wants to participate. And we just did a study of how we have expanded all the numbers of classes and the media. And we're actually about to produce like it's a funny number but a 13-year report and uh, just to see how things truly have grown over the years and how many more people we are reaching around town and really sort of across the community in very different ways and uh you know, even just our exhibitions, one of the ways you can engage in the arts, you don't have to touch anything. You don't have to get dirty. You don't have to do anything. Come to one of our art history happy hours or come to every month we change out the exhibitions in the M.G. Nelson Gallery. Different artists, different local groups, different, you know, media. And our downtown sales gallery changes out about every six or seven weeks. So there's always new stuff to look at. So you can very literally just be a patron who comes to see. You don't even have to buy anything. You're just there to see and learn. And who knows what any exhibition or what any work that you see is going to inspire you to investigate. You might see a medium that you want to learn more about how it's done. You might, I don't know, see a portrait or learn something about a period, particularly in, in our art history hour, learn about a period or an artist that you had never even heard of before. So there are lots of options that you don't even have to get your hands dirty and be engaged at the Art Association. So many wonderful ways to appreciate the arts, to help develop the arts in our community, to help them shine, to help others shine. And we certainly appreciate everything that you have done, as well as the rest of your colleagues, rest of your artists. It is absolutely brilliant. And you heard it from Director Dollar. If you're interested in, in creating art, if you love to create art, they've got scholarship money. So just keep on boogieing, and maybe you'll get it. Nothing is promised, but with hard work, we can, we can achieve most of what we would like. Director Dollar, will you come back? and tell us all of the wonderful things that will be occurring over the next several months soon? Yes, absolutely. One important thing, so much information at springfieldart.org. We have the most comprehensive website. You can spend hours there and learn a lot. So check us out at springfieldart.org. Springfieldart.org, easy to remember. 
you've passed Edward's place. You've passed it a thousand times. You just weren't reading, or maybe you didn't know that that was an S. Anyway, Director Betsy Dollar, Springfield Art Association, thank you so much for coming and spending some time with us this morning. You're welcome. Talk of the town, Trent Nelson. Go explore your creative side today and every day beyond. Thanks for listening to Talk of the Town. We'll be back next Sunday morning. Talk of the Town is a public service of Midwest Family Springfield. If you have any questions about today's program or previous programs, contact the show at MidwestFamilySPI.com slash Talk of the Town or call Midwest Family Springfield at 217-629-7077.